Hello, welcome to the Social Rec Stories podcast. My name's Liz Murphy and just across the way there is my friend, Dr Mim Fox. Hello, Mim. Hello, Liz. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And as you know, it's Reconciliation Week this week in it Australia. Is. And for all of those people who don't know what Reconciliation Week is, it's a time where we celebrate Indigenous culture. And this year's theme is around promoting sharing stories and speaking the truth. And I think that's pretty well the theme of our episode today. Oh, it really is. That's really appropriate. Yes. So I'll just share a little backstory here about a few weeks ago, I asked the podcast crew what they thought about doing an acknowledgement of country. And what happened was much passionate and robust conversation about the whys and the hows and how do we do it in a way that isn't tokenistic. And Mim, in particular for you, you had some strong thoughts and feelings around it, right? Yeah. So I guess for our international listeners, uh, just to put some context around it, in uh, Australia, the practice of beginning formal gatherings includes an acknowledgement or a welcome to country. And uh, in, if you're not from an Indigenous Australian, Aboriginal Australian or Torres Strait Islander background, then you will do an acknowledgement of country, uh, which is usually a fairly standard um, couple of introductory sentences. And uh, for me, at this point in my career, it wasn't something that I'd adopted more broadly. So when you brought this up with, with us, Liz, it challenged me in a couple of different ways. It made me think about why that wasn't something I'd adopted uh, and what was the intention behind doing it now on the podcast? What were our aims and how did we remain true to what the purpose of this podcast was? How did we actually have integrity with what we were doing given the fact that we are not Indigenous people putting this podcast together? And as our listeners may know from other podcast where we've explained it we are four people who've gathered together from non-indigenous backgrounds Mm -hmm. and I was really challenged by that notion I really don't ever want to be party to tokenistic gestures I'm very much all about our actions and our words having integrity and having a sense of truth so I had a lot of questions I wasn't something I was going to jump into quickly Mm. So it started you off on a quest somewhat. It did a little bit. So I started asking those questions to people that I thought would be able to guide me. Uh, One of the ways I approach problem solving is always to learn from others and to go and ask the questions to the people that I know have more experience than I do in these spaces. I really, I think we mentioned this in our last episode, actually, in episode 14, that in this space when it comes to Aboriginal practice or practice with Aboriginal families, you and I come from a place of not knowing. And that's generally how I approach problem solving in my world. I come from a place of not knowing and I would like to know from those who are grounded much more in those concepts than I am. So that started me off by having a conversation with a colleague of mine who's from a Fijian, Indigenous Fijian background and has really taken decolonisation on board uh, in their practice and, st- and 
having conversations around what an acknowledgement of country meant to him in this context. But I still had more questions, Liz. Mm. It actually, in some ways, left me with more questions than it did answers. So it was at that point that I approached a colleague of mine, uh, Danika Thomas, who is an Aboriginal social worker and educator and here in Sydney. And she, um, she was so generous in coming and having a conversation with you and I that to me actually felt very much like a supervision session. Hmm. It was so familiar, the context we were sitting in, that actually I left there feeling like I'd had some supervision in, um, in decolonising practices. So uh, that then has led us to a much larger discussion, hasn't it? Sure has. But what we wanted to do for our listeners today is play some of that um, conversation that you and I had had with Danika and really allow everyone to be grounded in the same sort of thinking where we're at so that we can move forward. I guess for some of our listeners who are thinking, hang on a second, this isn't what you normally do on this podcast. You normally pay, play a story from social workers' practice. We need to explain a little bit, I think, that actually this episode is much more about your and my practice, isn't it? Hmm. This is actually about us understanding where our positionality sits in our practice and how trust and acknowledgement of your positionality actually is what leads to relationship. And relationship is something you and I have spoken about on and off in every episode, I think, of our podcast, because it's so important to social work practice. So I want to let everyone know that's what we're doing here today. Mm. We're looking at positionality and trust in building relationship. And we're trying to own this space a little bit, Liz. We are. So... We're inviting all our listeners to listen to Danika and then cram into the supervision space with us afterwards and listen to how we process it and make sense of it and then how we use it in our own thinking about yeah, our practice. Yeah, and ultimately how we evolve in our practice, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, thanks. context that we're coming from I was thinking it's not actually about our heritage per se but it can actually be about the fact that we were educated in western white dominant western social work and that um, our practice has been in a white western context mm. and that therefore when we engage in this dynamic even the supervisory dynamic that we're engaging in is predominantly a white western dynamic Mm-hmm. And just about even acknowledging that. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I th- I think I think it's important. I think it put context, particularly because somebody's not looking at you, and so to I think that would help with the rapport building concept mm. as well. And when you've got rapport building, you've got trust. Mm. And so when you guys are particularly telling stories and in a teaching framework, I coming from an Indigenous perspective, trust actually has to be there before I actually trust what you are saying. Right. Mm. Um, and so the way that I would trust a story being told to me um, is knowing who you are, right. where you come mm. from, what is your experiences, 
and if you are able to acknowledge all the differences that take place between say me and you and yeah. and putting that there in a really open space of going there's no judgment here there is no way of changing what is but hey I'm really happy to have a really open conversation and particularly because yeah there is an element of power here mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important that you acknowledge that space of going no I'm wanting to be open and I want to acknowledge exactly where I'm coming from so therefore um, particularly for an um, indigenous woman like myself I can then go actually this is a safe learning platform for me right um, rather than going hang on a minute do i need to now decolonize everything you are saying yeah so therefore right. i can learn it actually you guys have done that for me because it's needed to happen prior it shouldn't have happened in the first place ah, okay so rather th and so therefore i can come in safely and just listen and then just get the teachings just like everybody else is because all that decolonization stuff has already happened um, majority of Indigenous people are already trained how to decolonise everything. Yep. Um, so therefore it becomes a safe space. But when you actually come into an interaction and it is already decolonised, it actually feels really lovely. Because right. it's actually just an equal playing field, which is what it's meant to be like. That is really good. It terrifies me, the idea of naming my heritage. And I know that that comes back to my generational trauma. So I, but it does, it scares me. But so there, there's, there's, there's that, absolutely. But there's also, we've never talked about who we are as, as people or as professionals. No, never. We've just kind of launched into a conversation, haven't we? Yeah. They have no idea. And regardless of that, people write to us and say, I feel like I know you, I feel the warmth, I feel like you're speaking directly to me. And yet, yeah. we, you're right, we've never... We've never actually entered into a positionality discussion at all. Well, every so often we might reference, like, oh, yeah, well, we've both worked in emergency departments. Yes. But that's about it. We've never... You we've told the occasional story from our own practice. But we've never talked about... But not it. personally or anything. Yeah. Oh. So it's... it's oh, gosh, it's... it's a it changes it, doesn't it? It does, but it makes sense. Thank you for that. It actually makes sense that... It allows people to feel like, well, I know these people a little more than just these talking, not even heads. We're not even talking No, we're heads. just voices. Mm. When you're looking at an uh, Indigenous perspective, specifically around social work practice, the boundaries are very different. Um, and this is why I find practice, if you're looking at a whitewashed, white, white washing of a space of social work, which how I sort of feel I identify it as, mm. and then working within community... I hold myself very differently because it's expected very differently. So when working with Aboriginal people, and it's, it's all through all the textbooks that you talk about, who you are, you, and it's, all, it's written in textbook, but then you go into working with a non-Indigenous client or family, boundary, boundary, we need to watch about boundary. Why is it different? Yes. Um, and I don't, for me as an Aboriginal woman, yes, I sort of feel that... Not that I feel I get many free tickets, but it gives me a space to go, actually, I put an Indigenous perspective across all my clients, no matter their heritage, their experience, because I don't want to subsect people. I, that's mm. not how I work. And so, but I find that I can safely do that from an Indigenous perspective because of my identity. 
I've you know worked with a lot of um, social work students that are non-indigenous and they come with really rigid um, boundary setting because this is what they're taught mm. and it's really important to have a reflective space around that and, and yes definitely go alongside what the what they're being taught and if it feels right but then I will often try and teach them okay but in indigenous perspective you actually have to let go of those rigid boundaries you actually have to for it to work and for the service to be actually as successful as one needs it to be you actually have to let go of them and so it's trying to then dart between those boundaries and often the boundaries are about our identity no 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 don't tell them if you've got two children don't don't mm. tell clients that you've had a similar experience don't don't disclose any of that because your boundaries 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 but you actually have to let that go when you're looking at a digital perspective and so looking at the acknowledgement stuff is that just another boundary that you guys have held you know, mm. in regards to going, yes. I can't talk about my identity because that's my boundary that I've been taught. Yes. Or do we need to let go of this one because it's safe enough to do so mm. to then move into a more inclusive practice? Mm. Like, I definitely think it's a boundary we've constructed in our discussions as a group. Well, I think, listening to Danica, I think what we've done is we've brought in our social work practice and how we would work with clients and families into the podcast space as well. But that... Um, idea around that people feel more connected and can trust us and that it builds on the rapport has resonated for me like I really think yeah I think so that makes a lot of sense of course yeah knowing a little bit more about who we are and acknowledging that how that's going to impact on our perspective and I really like how Mimi said that there's fear for yeah. you, um, which is such a raw and an emotion that often we shun. Yeah. Oh, don't talk about that or, or something like that. And I think as a, as a non-Indigenous person actually having fear, because then there's actually a resonating thing that happens with a lot of Indigenous yeah. people too, of actually standing strong in your identity. Yeah. Um, so that would be an interesting conversation there too, because there's, then there's similarities which yes. is actually going, wow, you actually are a real person. You're just not a voice. There's, there's realness to you. Okay. And exploring that, I, I, I like that. Okay. Because yeah. I think we're, with acknowledgement, there is such respect in acknowledgement. It is so sacred to have somebody sit there and acknowledge something that is greater than themselves. Mm. So we're actually taking it away from this really self-centred space that we always seem to fall into, mm. particularly in Australia. This, we're taught to sort of... Um, do it ourselves and let everyone else just leave behind mm. but I found then when you're working with indigenous people it's a totally different worldview that you're looking at and so you are you're working within the uh, as a holistic space um, as the community based um, as then you're actually also working in a spiritual space where you're looking at the elements like land and you know um, as we sort of said in the last podcast it's around that um, you know, looking at your mountain, your river, and these concepts. So it's beyond actually here and now because the importance isn't just here and now. It's actually this really big space. So I find the acknowledgement actually brings that in. Actually, what we are doing here is bigger than just producing a podcast. It is yeah. bigger than just trying to make everyone feel included. This is bigger than that. Yeah. And that's what working with people is. It's, it's bigger. It's a bigger space. The acknowledgement is also so important because there are so many years, particularly within Australia, where we haven't been acknowledged. We were classified as flora and fauna for years. And having that put on my ancestors that they actually weren't acknowledged as people, 
just breaks my heart still and there's something in there that just really rorts like it just it's it's crazy intense feeling so when somebody's able to particularly non-indigenous actually do an acknowledgement and they feel comfortable and they feel that this is important makes my heart resonate and go thank you thank you for my ancestors thank you for my children thank you for myself that you have taken a space and created it in a way that it's been taken before so it's almost like you guys are now going yes this is important um and yeah, as, as I said before, putting a bit of context to it, absolutely, but it also it has to be done quite delicately. Um, rather than in what you have done, maybe a, you know, putting something personal there of going, yeah, I don't have any Indigenous heritage, um, but this is what it means to me, or something like that, just to put... Because we can all read out the acknowledgement. We mm. can all do it, and we can all... I can give you all copies and all this mm. sort of stuff, but... A step beyond that is where the heart comes into play. And I think that's important is the heart space. And I think, you know, looking at social work, looking at connection, you're looking at rapport building, and if there's no heart in that, yeah. what's the point? Yeah. What are we actually doing? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. That's really beautiful. Yeah, it really is. Liz, what was your reaction when we came out of that quasi-supervision session with Danica? Oh, can I firstly say thank you for taking me on the quest with you to share that conversation with Danica. I, it, I felt my mind expand, but I also felt my heart, it impacted on my heart. Yeah. A lot. And I have been thinking about it ever since. What about you? How did you? Uh, yeah, I haven't stopped thinking about it. And I'm thinking about the fact that there's a double reaction I'm having. There's a very intellectual reaction. And then there's a very emotional reaction. So intellectually, let's start there. Because that's always much more comfortable, isn't it? Definitely. Um Intellectually, I know that the impact for me was around this idea of messaging being colonised without even us being aware of it. Uh, And I think now we should say as well that we're speaking to an international audience. So I think these concepts are known by Indigenous peoples around the world, messaging is still colonised. And this idea that there is a decolonising that needs to happen regardless of whether you're aware of what's happening or not in the moment was something that blew my mind. Mm. I agree. And that also linked me into thinking about the unconscious racism that... um, as, as a social worker, I've probably perpetrated. Um, and I reckon it's, it's made me think back on work that I've done with clients, my own thinking around my practice. 
it's it's made me feel a bit wobbly <laughs> yeah but in a really a good, good way and I yeah. like I appreciate the fact that 33 years as a social worker we can still come to our our practice and go whoop well I'm going to have to rethink a whole lot of things now um, I think that's absolutely right this idea that the wobbliness actually sits in a questioning of values or questioning of actions or words like it's so fundamental isn't it to practice yeah and everything we do is about building relationship through storytelling and the idea that that's not something that we're actively engaging in in a meaningful collaborative space with members of our tribe our community people that around us I actually think you're right. It hurts your heart a little bit. It does. And I, I hope that if there are students of social work listening, I hope they also go, well, gosh, even an experienced social worker is still questioning things like boundaries. So when Danika was talking about the version of boundaries that we get taught and we practice from a Western model of social work was so important to hear. She's made me question how I connect with people, how I build rapport and how essential it is to, especially in working with Aboriginal clients, to share of self in a way that's about building the connection with them. And I thought, Mim, about um, a couple of years ago, I had a, a young uh, Aboriginal woman uh, who's pregnant and her mum would come to appointments in the antenatal clinic I was in. And she would often have to yell at health workers about something that had happened, whether it would be a presumption that we'll get the Aboriginal liaison officer to work with you without asking permission, you know, to to give some examples. Anyway, so I'd organised at the request of one of her daughter, some some baby um, clothes and a pram and various things. She comes storming into my office and says, some of this stuff that you have provided is secondhand. Uh, I might just said really well looked after secondhand, but, but she was raging about it. Yeah. And I remember saying, yeah, I'd want to check everything out too if it was my grandchildren. And at that moment, we connected as two grandmothers. Yes. Now, back at uni, I'm pretty sure there would have been a whole lot of discussion around always having the focus on the client. Yeah, do you disclose your own grandmother status? Yes. And what is the thinking behind that? Yes. But Danique is actually talking about it as being a connector, a rapport builder. It's about creating a safe space. And that's the other thing that has got me thinking about how we create, as a podcast how we create a safe space for our listeners, how much of ourselves is appropriate to share. You know what's interesting, our um, student Brenna, who we're nearly going to be farewelling, and we know we've farewelled her for the last few episodes, listeners, so apologies for that, but she is actually going to leave us. And she made an observation that I thought was really astute, that actually we demand vulnerability from our social workers, our anonymous social workers who tell us 
so beautifully their stories that we share on this podcast. We ask them to be vulnerable in their space and tell us something and give insight to them that they don't normally share. In that way, the story is being built, the trust is being built and positionality is being established. But you and I, Liz, we actually haven't done that yet on this podcast. We have not. So I think there's some work here to be done. Before we jump to an acknowledgement of country, I think probably what we need to do is engage in a little bit of storytelling, a little bit of identifying our positionality, where we're coming from and why we're here in this space, what we hope for. And um, in the aim of building that trust and rapport with our listeners around the world so that we can all move forward in our practice and in our shared understandings and collaboration from here on in. How's that? I, yeah, no, I agree, Mim. Yeah. So who's going to kick off? Okay, I'll kick off. So the first thing is to talk to, I think, tell the story of the podcast. Yeah? Okay. Should we start with that? Or maybe to tell the story of you and me, Liz. Oh, here we go. All right. It's not a romantic one. But just so our listeners understand a little bit of the coming together of our podcast and this experience. So a number of years ago, Liz, I'm sure you remember, we were at a a conference, an all-day symposium that was happening, and we were having a cup of tea on a balcony. And Liz, you came up to me and started talking about some interesting ideas you had for doing some education with the social workers that you worked with around research. Would that be right? That's correct. So we had an exciting conversation on the balcony and that then started a relationship of work uh, that is now stretched on and I think it's probably coming up to five years. It is indeed. And also on the balcony, we talked about... One of us started off saying, you know, I would love to have a podcast. And then the other one responded, you're joking. Me too. I would like to have a podcast about social work stories. Yeah. So So we'd both had this. I had never spoken about it before until we were on that balcony. And we both then continued to talk about the podcast. On and off. On and off. For a good few years. You know, we'd meet someone and one of us would text the other person and go, I've just met this great social worker. Oh, my gosh. If that that podcast was up and running now, we could actually be talking with this person. Wouldn't that be great? But the reality is we had no technical skills whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, you could say that. But we were good storytellers. Mm. And... I think the important part there is about our relationship developing as well, that we started to have a trust between us when it came to listening to each other's ideas, bouncing off and found each other genuinely funny. And all of that helped, I think, in getting to a point where we just kept talking about podcasts. Until last year when I was at um, an international conference in Dublin and was out one night having some beers and someone mentioned podcasts the next day in my beery haze I remember going finding those people again Ben Joseph being one of them and saying hey last night did someone mention podcasts and Ben said yeah actually I have my own podcast called social work discoveries 
have you heard it? And I went, no, but I've got this great idea for a podcast. What? Let's talk. By the end of the conference, we had hashed out the idea of the podcast, sending furious messages to you, Liz, the entire time. And Ben had come on as our producer and we'd connected as well with Jonathan Singer from the Social Work Podcast, which was also a really important initial collaboration for us and impetus in getting the podcast started. Totally serendipitously at the same time, I had had this Social Work student for the last couple of years who constantly kept talking to me about podcasts. Now, this was Justin Stesch, who had even sent me an entire spreadsheet of all the podcasts he'd been listening to at some point and was so enamoured with podcasts. When Liz, you said to me, I think I'm going to need a social work student, I said, hey, I got the student for you, not really thinking about the podcast, just thinking you guys would get along really well and he'd be able to learn a lot from you. And that then brought Justin into our fold as the first student on our podcast. Mm. And we were able to launch our first episode in September last year. So that was kind of the story of our podcast and our coming together. And I have to say, since September to now, we've become a really tight, collegial, uh, peer practice group, I think I would say. Would you, yeah. Is that the right word? No. No, I think you're right. And I had a thought this morning that the podcast is really a forum for me to expand my knowledge and grow as a person, as a social worker. The mere fact that other people are along for the ride is an absolute joy, but I learn every time we do an ep- episode. I couldn't uh, agree with you more. especially this one. I couldn't agree with you more, but also I just also think it's really important to be creative in your social work practice. And another student reminded me of that in class this morning. And I think that's really true. And this podcast, I think, is really creative for me personally. And the other thing I just wanted to mention, and I won't get on my milk crate about this, but I have mentioned it before. This podcast has been about revealing what social workers do, peeling back the curtains on our practice, and today you were talking about positionality and I guess it's also that. I would agree. We're with starting that. to well today's been about articulating that from our perspective. So us as people, so the little that I uh, wanted to share with people was that I am a fourth generation Australian. I come from Irish, Scottish and Maori heritage. I have been a social worker now for 33 years, working clinically, and I've also been an educator for 29 years, working with social work students and welfare work students. I'm in love with my profession, and it's been a slow burn for me, and I feel really privileged to be a social worker. and. It might even be on my tombstone, I don't know. But, yeah, that's a little bit about me. What about you, Mim? I love that, Liz. So when I I have to say that I did find the conversation with Danika around positioning ourselves 
and our heritage a bit difficult and it did scare me. And uh, But I also, when th- listening to that conversation with Janika, I understand what she was saying, that my fear is actually a supportive fear to someone else listening who also sits in fear. Uh, and therefore, it's actually really important to be able to express that. So I want to say that I come from a, a Jewish background where my family has migrated from before before Australia would have been New Zealand and England before that would have been Poland and so we go through migration waves going back um, but the fear for me is around the intergenerational trauma that I carry from my heritage and I think that I through this discussion I've really come to an understanding that the telling of stories is the way that you heal that that actually you don't, by not telling your story and by preventing yourself from moving into that space, all you're doing is creating distance. Something that the initial conversation I had with my colleague that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I spoke to when I was really going through this wrestling with it, something he said was that by not acknowledging the past, the relationships and the positionality that is existing in the room, what you are doing is othering the other person. You are actually creating a distance, whereas there is an us and them. The avoidance is actually problematic in that space. And I don't want to be doing that, Liz. I think that that's actually where I've come to in this understanding that I also am in love with this profession. I'm in love with the stories and experiences that social workers have every day that become part of their everyday norms and rituals and understandings. And I want us to be able to embrace those stories. I want us to be able to share them and learn from them. So in order for that to happen, the leaning in on my positionality has to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting with that now in a much more, in a, in a very different place than I was. Yeah. So I guess coming out of that, Liz, comes an invitation or an opportunity to actually do an acknowledgement on this podcast for our international Indigenous community. But given that we're here in the Australian context, we will do this in uh, what is familiar to us in our community here. So, Mim, I'd like to do an acknowledgement of country from here in the Darawal Nation. So I'd like to pay my respect and acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record this podcast. I want to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. And I would like to extend my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening to our Social Work Stories podcast. Also, Liz, I would like to also open that invitation and that acknowledgement further. And given that we are an international podcast with peoples from around the world engaged and listening I would like to also open that invitation and acknowledgement to Indigenous peoples globally and acknowledge the impact of colonization around the world and the impact of white western social work on practice internationally 
overall it's really the invitation to collaborate and to keep engaging in ideas in a really meaningful co-constructed way that I think is really important in the space that we're in. Well said, Mim. Thank you. And thank you to Danika for opening our mind, our hearts, our souls. I think this has been an important episode for our podcast. biggie. And we just hope to, by doing it, keep having really meaningful engagement with our tribe around the world. I hope so. Yeah, the fireside keeps growing bigger. It does indeed. Now we need to wind it up. We do. And say farewell to everyone but this really is the last episode is it that really? Brenna, no i think it is, is. It really this like is, our student brenna is really finishing with oh, us brenna. Um, and we wanted to say a heartfelt thank you brenna for for everything that you've done for our podcast we the did. interviews i think uh you came ignited as a social work student but you you continue to fall in love with our profession you tell me every time you do an interview i will get a text saying I really love so-and-so, the anonymous social worker. (laughs) Uh, This is what I want to be. (laughs) It's been a delight working with you, Brenna. Mm, Thank you, Liz. Um, Yeah, I mean, every social worker that I've interviewed has been so, so amazing to me. So I guess I would like to say thank you to them. If I've interviewed you, there's a very high chance that I'm now your number one fan. Um, If you ever, any of you decide to retire, let me know. I will have your jobs. They were all fantastic. You made your services sound so wonderful. And I'm so in awe of the social workers that I have interviewed and the work that you're all doing. Um, And thank you so much to Mim and Liz um, and to Justin and Ben, who made my experience on this podcast so, so enjoyable. It was so much fun and I felt so supported by being in this team. Um, And it was fantastic to have this alongside my clinical experiences um, and to have that bit of break and separation, but it just did, it so enriched my learning and I just had the best, best time here. Um, And also whoever the next social work student on the podcast is, I'm very jealous. Um, If this is something that you would think you would like to be part of, I can only recommend it like the highest of the high. It's just been the most fantastic experience. Thanks guys. Wow, I think that pretty much that is a testament to field education Mm. in social work practice, isn't it? That is so awesome, Brenna. We're so pleased that you've had such a good experience because I think social work students really do benefit from just hearing a lot of stories from social workers. Mm. Very much so. And I'd like to say, Brenna, maybe in a few years' time we'll come and interview you as the practising social worker. So collect those stories for us, please. I will, definitely. Thanks, guys. On that front, I think it might be time to say goodbye. We would like to thank uh, our producers, Ben Joseph and Justin Stesch. And thank you to Danika Thomas, who allowed us to have that incredible conversation with her. Of course, we want everyone to do the whole social media thing. Send us a message on Twitter. uh, Follow us on Instagram, Social Work Stories. And... um, Keep messaging us, keep reviewing us, keep leaving us stars, keep rocking our social media world. Liz, is that what you say? That's what you said. (laughs) On that note, thank you so much, everyone. See you next time. (laughs) Just say bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have the microphone right in front of you, so you don't know what the hell you're doing.